Welcome to Condensed Matter, condensing recent work in metaphysics and the philosophy of science down to what matters. I'm your host, Sam Kington Knight. The focus of this episode is Ottavio Bueno and Scott Schalkowski's article Troubles with Theoretical Virtues, Resisting Theoretical Utility Arguments in Metaphysics, published in Philosophy and Phenomenological Research in 2019. Metaphysics, it seems, is concerned with what there is and how it is. For example, the metaphysician may investigate the existence and nature of minds. Do minds exist in addition to brains? And if so, what are minds like that distinguishes them from physical brains? Descartes, for example, argued that the mental and the physical are two distinct types of substance. Characteristic of the physical is that it is extended in space and time, and characteristic of the mental is that it has no spatial extent and is capable of thought. How do we arbitrate between competing metaphysical theories? For example, how do we decide between Cartesian substance dualism the view that the mental and the physical are two distinct substances with differing defining features, and physicalism, the view that all substance is physical. A popular answer to this question is that we may appeal to theoretical virtues to arbitrate between competing metaphysical theories. The more theoretically virtuous a theory is, the more likely it is to be true. What are these theoretical virtues? What does it mean to say that some metaphysical theory is theoretically virtuous? Typical examples of theoretical virtues include simplicity, simpler theories are more virtuous than complex ones, intuitiveness, intuitive theories are more virtuous than counterintuitive ones, explanatory power, a theory is more virtuous the better it is at explaining certain phenomena, and unity, a theory is more virtuous to the extent that it unifies disparate phenomena and integrates with other good theories. So metaphysicians will debate and defend their theories with reference to the theoretical virtues, the underlying idea being that the higher a theory scores with respect to the theoretical virtues, the more likely it is to be true. This methodology is motivated by the idea that metaphysics is continuous with science. Scientists sometimes have to choose between competing theories that are consistent with the empirical data, and it is at this point that they will appeal to such features as simplicity and intuitiveness to decide which theory is more likely to be true. If appeal to theoretical virtues is good enough for science, it ought to be good enough for metaphysics too or so the thought goes. Bueno and Schalkowski, however, argue that virtuous theories, in the sense just mentioned, are not more likely to be true. In fact, certain episodes from the history of science suggest that scientists would have moved further from the truth if they had sought to maximise the theoretical virtues. An overarching theme that Bueno and Schalkowski are keen to emphasise is that in science and in metaphysics, theoretical virtues have a pragmatic benefit. They tell us something like which theory is easier to work with. Their claim, however, is that pragmatic benefits do not suggest that a theory is more likely to be true. Just because a theory is easier to work with, it does not follow that it tracks objective features of the world. To support their claim that virtuous theories are not more likely to be true, Bueno and Schalkowski consider examples from the history of science, the first of which is the transition from Ptolemaic to Copernican astronomy. Ptolemaic astronomy is false, but in its day it would arguably have scored higher on theoretical virtues in Copernican astronomy. Ptolemy's theory unified astronomy and the Aristotelian physics of the day, and with the advent of epicycles, Ptolemy was able to explain the observed motion of planets. What's more, Ptolemy's theory was very simple because it maintained that all celestial motion was circular. 
Copernican astronomy, in contrast, scored poorly on theoretical virtues. It was disunified. The lack of a developed physics of the moving Earth led to various objections from, for example, the observation that a dropped stone falls at one's feet and not a few inches away. Copernican astronomy lacked simplicity because the entire planetary system needed to be reconfigured in a way that went against the dominant Aristotelian physics, and its explanatory power in comparison with Ptolemaic astronomy was compromised by the fact that its main explanatory posit, that the Earth moves around the Sun, enjoyed surprisingly little evidential support at the time. Bueno and Sharkowski also cite Newtonian mechanics as an example of a very virtuous, but nevertheless false theory, and quantum mechanics as a likely true theory that is upheld by current science, despite its counterintuitiveness, disunity, and explanatory deficiencies that result from the fact that there are multiple competing interpretations of quantum mechanics. So it seems that being theoretically virtuous is neither necessary nor sufficient for truth. A theory can be true while lacking in theoretical virtue, and a theory can be virtuous without being true. Quantum mechanics is supposedly an example of the former, and Ptolemaic astronomy is supposedly an example of the latter. Bueno and Tchaikovsky then move on to attack the very possibility of establishing that a metaphysical theory exhibits certain virtues. The virtue they focus on is explanatoriness. According to Bueno and Tchaikovsky, metaphysicians seek to establish that some theory possesses the virtue of explanatoriness by saying that if the theory were true, then it would do a good job of explaining the evidence. For example, if Cartesian dualism were true, it would do a good job of explaining the fact that mental properties, such as being happy, seem very different to physical properties, such as having mass one kilogram. The problem, they argue, is that this reasoning is fallacious. Given the truth of the conditional claim, if theory T were true, then it would do a good job of explaining the evidence E, it fallaciously infers that since theory T does a good job of explaining evidence E, theory T must be true. In general, we cannot infer the truth of a conditional's antecedent from the truth of its consequent. For example, while it may be true that if it is raining, then the pavement is wet, we cannot infer from the fact that the pavement is wet that it is raining, because it may be wet due to the fact that some children are having a water fight, for example. Similarly, we cannot infer from the fact that theory T would, if true, explain evidence E, that T is in fact true. To recap, episodes from the history of science suggest that theoretical utility is neither necessary nor sufficient for truth, and explanatoriness of a metaphysical theory cannot be established without assuming the truth of the metaphysical theory in question, hence, explanatoriness cannot independently motivate the claim that a metaphysical theory is true. At best, then, theoretical virtues have pragmatic benefits. Perhaps virtuous theories are easier or more useful to work with, but pragmatic benefits do not imply truth. I think this paper raises some pressing worries for a certain approach to metaphysics, namely that which maintains that metaphysics is in the business of uncovering objective truths about the world, and which thinks that the best way of doing this is by maximising theoretical virtues, where theoretical virtues may even add up to outweigh empirical evidence. However, I think, and this is contrary to what Bueno and Sholkowski suggest early on, that actually few, if any, metaphysicians really think that theoretical virtues alone could ever add up to outweigh empirical evidence, thus leading the metaphysician to believe in the truth of a theory that is clearly in conflict with empirical data. But furthermore, I think that metaphysicians in fact think that a metaphysical theory need not just be consistent with the empirical data, but is actually better to the extent that it does a better job of accounting for the empirical data. And this is the sense in which metaphysics may be continuous with, or perhaps even just a part of, science. Now whether doing a better job, whatever that may mean, of accounting for empirical data is truth-conducive or not, is, arguably, besides the point, 
if we are interested in the validity of the methodology of metaphysics in particular. This is because science proper is surely also largely concerned with accounting for empirical data in the best way possible, where what counts as best will be settled with reference to theoretical virtues. So if metaphysics is not truth-conducive, neither is science. But then there is no problem for metaphysics per se. In fact, there is a venerable tradition of arguing that science does not aim at truth. One key line of argument for this is that scientific theories are systematically underdetermined by empirical evidence. So I think that the real point is that the jury is very much out on the issue of whether our inquiry, call it metaphysical or scientific or whatever, really is truth-conducive. If Bueno and Schalkowski want to criticise a certain kind of metaphysician who thinks that their inquiry aims at immutable objective truth, they should also be aware that similar arguments may be levelled at certain scientists who see themselves as doing something similar, since there comes a point in both metaphysics and science where empirical data just cannot settle the finer details of what one ought to believe about the world.